The Athletic. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. So the red agenda is all about positivity this week. Uh, off the pitch, and Liverpool have two new centre backs finally, and on it they look the business once more. Two convincing back-to-back wins, and the title chase has been resurrected, or has it? To talk through that and so much more, James Pearce, Simon Hughes, and Kiefer O'Neill. I'm Steve Hothersall. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than £1 a week. Just go to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod to sign up and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. Let's start with uh, transfer deadline day and our transfer deadline guru, James Pierce, um, who had a long one yesterday. I'm sure both the other guys did as well. Uh, James, perhaps we feared it would never happen, but finally two centre-backs. It was eventful, wasn't it? I think I was trying to think back to, to when there was a deadline day quite like it at Liverpool and it wasn't obviously on the same scale, but you know, I, I didn't. it didn't feel as if there'd been one as frenetic since... That memorable one a decade ago when Torres went to the Chelsea and, and Andy Carroll came in, and uh, of course the names coming in aren't as as big this time around. But you know, arguably, the business done just as important in the context of Liverpool's season because um, you know there was a a shift last week at the club in terms of an acceptance that something had to be done. I think probably a mixture of things really. I think obviously the, the results, but also you know learning just how bad Joel Matip's injury was on the back of that that win at Tottenham I think it just made irrelevant any debate about you know should should we do a short term fix rather than sit tight they had to do something and you know I, I think in a situation where money was so tight availability for you know probably the absolute top targets just wasn't possible at this time you know I think Michael Edwards does deserve credit for for getting two deals over the line that you know, when, when you think that, you know, a combined outlay of only £1.5 million up front, I, you know, I, th- I think it's it's they're two very, very low-risk deals for Liverpool. The challenge now for Klopp is to try and make sure they're high reward because, to a large extent, Liverpool's season relies on him being able to, to, to really be able to get a tune out of them. Yeah, immediate impact um, required. Sai, let, let's start with uh, Ozan Kabak. So th- this is a name that was linked with Liverpool a long time ago. We, we, we've been through, I don't know, double digits in names since yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's been fancied by quite a few European clubs over the last couple of seasons. He's only only 20 years old and got a move early in his career from, from Galatasaray to, to Stuttgart, having only really played a, a relatively short period of time for Galatasaray. And there were a lot of clubs interested in him at, at that time. Juventus, Inter Milan, among them, I believe. Uh, but uh, Stuttgart persuaded him that uh, his, his career would be best served by playing perhaps at a club that isn't going to try and win trophies, but, but just to broaden his experience. Um, and he agreed with that. But unfortunately, Stuttgart went down and he performed very well on that team and then earned to move to, to Schalke. And in, in the course of that transition, I think Bayern Munich were interested in him again. But Schalke, similar argument, really. Big club, big expectation. 
and they convinced him that you know the next step in his career would be would be better served there than, than than by Munich. So unfortunately, it hasn't gone at all to plan at at, at Schalke. Uh, that's putting it mildly. I mean that they've they have been uh, in crisis for quite a, a long period of time now. The the big backer. Uh, as, as pulls out and they don't have a great deal of money and the, I think the nine points adrift at the bottom of the table from the, the, the safety zone in the Bundesliga so it, it hasn't been a good period for him particularly the last, this season I think he started last season quite well his form's tra- trailed off but he's still regarded very highly within Europe really so I mean I, I don't really see this as a gamble at all with the, given the figures involved uh, he's, he's a player of a considerable pedigree you would expect to do reasonably well I just I just think it's a it is a big move at this moment in his career I, I know James and I have had a little laugh at Paul Merson's expense in terms of you know he's going from a team where the culture has been losing every single week to a, a culture where Liverpool are expected to win every week now I understand the context around the arguments probably being lost in in, in the way that discussion's been framed, but I, I can understand it to some extent because the pressure at Liverpool is enormous and there's going to be a huge focus on him now. Uh, I think that's why, from what I've been told, that's why they've signed two centre-backs to, to sort of layer off the responsibility. It's not just one player's responsibility to try and help Liverpool through this period because ultimately, you know, the, the, we, we discussed it before on the pod, but the, the Champions League... Getting there is essential, and I, I do think that both signings, given what's happened to to Matip, uh, have increased the possibility of of that happening. You know, Liverpool have got much better options at the back now. Um, I know Ben Davis is a bit of a left field signing, but we'll see. I mean, I I, I think it, it it's 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 good business for Liverpool over the last couple of days in light of what's happened, and I'm, I'm glad they've done it because. You can't wing a Premier League season and hope that you get in the top four just on the back of being champions. I mean, I don't know any team that, that try has tried to compete over any period of time with no no senior centre halves. Although, let's be fair, Matt, Matt Phillips uh, was quite impressive. I thought at West Ham just just at the wrong time, but or maybe the right time. But but um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I I think it's a good sign. But but there, there is an element of, of caution around it because. Because of his most recent experience, he's going to have to get his head around a lot of things pretty quickly to adjust to the way Liverpool play. And we've seen in the past, you know, Jurgen Klopp likes to bed in players and, and give them time to do it. I, I, I might not be afforded quite as much time as other players have in the past. I think the pressure's on straight away. We'll, we'll come to Kiefer in just a second. I just want to pick up on some stuff you were saying there. And James, you've written it extensively on the Athletic. If people want to have a look at those articles on the transfer window, um, just perhaps about what Quebec is expected to do straight away because he's come from, as Simon says, a, a team that's been struggling. One win in 19 in the Bundesliga, worst defensive record in the league. Clearly, he's going to be a talent in the future, but can he hit the ground running? Yeah, well, I, th- I think the important thing from certainly the that, that joint piece we've done on him today and people have spoke to, 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 to various kind of... Uh, People that have been involved in signing him before and and have watched him closely is that um, they feel as if he's he's suffered as a result of being part of a club in crisis this season. So I think I think it's probably a bit unfair to say you know, why on earth would Liverpool want someone who's part of the worst defence in the Bundesliga? You know, I think I think he, as Simon touched upon then, you know, that some of the big names who wanted him not so long ago. You know, Juventus and Bayern Munich being two of them. He is a big talent. I think that. Certainly, from the feeling of Liverpool's scouting and recruitment staff, was that you know yes, his performance levels have fluctuated, but he's that's more been a product of his environment than 
them because of kind of inadequacies in in his own game. And you know, and I think they do see parallels with someone like Andy Robertson, who um, you know, let's not forget when Liverpool brought him in from Hull, it was why on earth would Liverpool want a left back in a team that you know that had been relegated from the Premier League? You know, you know, I think back to that summer, and I think Burnley were the only other team serious about signing Andy Robertson. And you know, you fast forward a few years, and there's, I don't think there's a better left back in in Europe. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I just think it's it's a fantastic opportunity for Quebec as well because you know he has to hit the ground running and do really well to earn himself this move. I think um, you know that that's you know, it's someone explained it to me at Liverpool is it's it's try before you buy because, you know, it's the ball is in the players' court. Klopp has made all kinds of calls and uh, messages to people that have worked with Kabat pre- previously. All the recommendations have been glowing, in particular from David Wagner, of course, one of Klopp's best mates who managed Kabak at Schalke until earlier on this season. You know, now it's down to Kabak to to prove that he's as good as people keep on telling Klopp he is. And, you know, Klopp and his staff have now got four months to assess him on the training pitch and decide whether Liverpool should trigger that option, which is £18 million plus add-ons. And they have to make a decision on that in June. Kiever, if we look at two centre-backs being brought in, if you, if you rewind to Joel Matip not being injured, do you think the mindset in the Liverpool you know, transfer room, the discussions with Jürgen, were, were, let's see if we can make it to the end of the window or was there always an intention, do you reckon, to bring two in? I think as soon as, you know, Joel Matip had had a scan and Liverpool knew that he wasn't going to make it um, to the end of the season, you know, he wouldn't be back before then, then they had to sign two, didn't they? I mean, if they would have signed one and then released that news last night that Joel Matip was out for the rest of the season, um, Liverpool fans would have been an uproar. It wouldn't have been enough, would it? You know, you can't get by on no centre halves, let alone you know one inexperienced one to come in and you know be asked to do such a, a massive thing and and be starting week in week out for Liverpool. I think with Fabinho's injury as well, that would have tipped the scale a little bit. Just to think, you know, he, he's struggling a little bit back there. He picked up an injury not long ago. He's picked up another one. He's playing really well there. I just think it's a different kind of game to what he's used to playing. He, you know, it's a bit more intense and more likely to get injuries, I think, there than he would a little bit further up the field. But yeah, you know, the two players that have come in, I think Liverpool fans are really excited about. They've both got totally different stories, which I'm absolutely love. And I think Ben Davis is obviously a bit of a Cinderella story, isn't he? You know, he's pressed the North End to Liverpool. Like at Anfield, he looked like a fan or someone who'd won a prize and on them pitches, didn't he? Like he looked made up. Um, but obviously we know, you know, everyone, the, the lad's done a great piece earlier in the week, which I implore people to read. I think Liverpool might have done an Andy Robertson style transfer with him. You get that vibe that, you know, everything they're looking at is just something and, you know, left side of centre backs are so rare to come by as well, aren't they? And, you know, um, I think there was a good thread from a, a Preston th- fan on Twitter yesterday just showing, you know, loads of little clips of Ben Davis and he, he looks, he does look the real deal. I know it's a totally different league and, you know, it's going to be a big challenge for him but he you know in the interview he already said he can't wait to get going and just sort of wants to get started now and yeah it, it that's a, a real dreamy sort of transfer isn't it and it feels like he's I think he's 25 isn't he but then Quebec feels like just like like a totally different one it feels like he's the 25 year old and Davis is the 20 year old somehow because obviously he's been on Liverpool's radar and you know fans radar for such a long time his name has been 
doing the rounds. It feels for years, doesn't it? Um, you know, my days on the Echoes transfer room of blogs, I think <laughs> he was in there once or twice. So, you know, he was a player who people always sort of had a little feeling for. And I feel like his, his own statement of leaving Chelka um, that he'd released on Twitter kind of spoke of his mentality that he's not going back there. Basically, he kind of was like, you know, I'm really sad that my time with Chelka's come to an end. And I was thinking, mate, you're just on loan till the end of the season. Obviously, he's just like convinced now I'm playing for Liverpool. And that's a great attitude for him to bring in. You know, the other piece that James has sort of put together with help from a few of us is, I think, just shows what kind of mentality he's got well ahead of his years. And I mean, if that's not a Jürgen Klopp player, then I don't know who is. The, the Ben Davis one, it does feel really romantic, doesn't it? It sort of harks back, Simon, to, I don't know, something in the 80s when Liverpool might have gone to a lower league club and, and grabbed a player. And I know Kiva mentioned those photos, which um, Andrew Powell, the club's photographer, took. They're brilliant. It just shows. It looks like he's won a prize. He's that happy, isn't he? Um, I've seen a lot of him because he played for Preston this season. I've covered them quite a few times. He's great in so many aspects, but the biggest question is, does he feel like he can make that step up? Yeah, it's a, it's a big switch in mentality, isn't it? I, I suppose, you know, Preston, Championship Club, been aiming for the playoffs for for the last couple of seasons under Alex Neil. Not not a club that you'd, you'd necessarily relate to promotion aspirations, uh, automatic promotion aspirations. So they're, they're totally different aspirations, but... He's a player who, again, a bit like Kabak, really, has six months to prove, or even less than that, four months to prove himself uh, in many ways. Because I know he signed a, signed a, a long-term contract, but he's a player that was in demand before Liverpool signed him. Uh, Celtic, uh, I was told, were, were absolutely gutted that, that he, he never went there. He was very close to joining Celtic, and I believe Bournemouth had made a, a decent offer for him as well. So I don't think that interest's going to go away if, if he doesn't do quite as well for Liverpool. But it's it's an amazing opportunity. You don't tend to see these opportunities in, in football very often. I, I agree with you, Steve. I, I, it feels a bit like a bit of a throwback. You know, I, I think the last time Liverpool signed a player from outside the Premier League sort of Championship League One level would have been in the 1990s and his uh, his story involved you know he's been around the houses a little bit in terms of the, lo- the loans that he's taken on and when we found out about that deal uh, I spoke to Paul Carden who was his manager doing a loan at Southport and I mean, naturally, when, when these sort of things happen, the people who've played some sort of role or seen the progression are always going to be happy for the player, aren't they? They're always going to be delighted, particularly if he's done well for the club, which which Ben Davies did at Southport. And Paul Carden, who's a Liverpool fan as well, said said that he thinks he'll do, he'll be absolutely fine for Liverpool for what they need at this moment. He he went into Southport when he was only a teenager and, and made a real impression in a, in a relatively short period at the club. I think he was there for five or six weeks and then, yeah, yeah, he ends up getting called back by Preston. It's quite quite an interesting story. That little snapshot in time of the, the, the sort of the player's progression and and the 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 mentality that he had to, to go and go and mix it in a in non-league circles, which which isn't easy. So I, I think he's made of plenty of character and will be. Although it's probably come as a shock to him because I, I don't think Liverpool had made contact with his representatives until last. Thursday, uh, there's a lot, a lot to take in, but sometimes when you're thrown in the deep end, it's, it's probably the best way, isn't it? So, be interested to see whether he, he, he plays any role in the in the game against 
against Brighton or, or, well, I'd be surprised if he did play against Manchester City because it's such a big step up. But I believe Manchester City have been, been looking at him as well. He's impressed them in, in on a number of occasions. So we will see. I think he's one of those defenders who's maybe not the biggest, not the most powerful, but he's... He's a good reader of the game, somebody who can pass the ball. It's now for him to step up. I mean, amazing opportunity. Hi, I'm James McNicholas, and I'm here to tell you about the latest series of Beyond the Headline, the making of Big Sam. If I did anything wrong, why did they pay me off? You see, Sam Allardyce seemingly can't quit English football, and English football can't quit him. But why? Why does football keep coming back to Sam Allardyce? To answer those questions and many more, you'll hear from former Hull City manager Phil Brown. He didn't mind having the crack, he didn't mind having the banter, but he would he would prove his way was the right way. Dundee United manager Mickey Mellon. I signed for Sam Allardyce, really. And of course, Father Joe Young, owner of Limerick FC, where the Big Sam story began. Now I said, Sam, this is the ultimate goal. Now I'll show you what we have. Then I brought him up and he said, Jesus, Father Joe, are you serious? I said, look, nothing is impossible to those who believe. You'll learn about his time in America at the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the way he revolutionised English football, and of course, the England debacle. You can hear it all now and ad-free via the Athletic app. Just search for Beyond the Headline now. Uh, it's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall, Sam Hughes, James Pearce, Kiva O'Neill on the podcast um, today. Uh, let's touch on the final bit of transfer activity revolving around Liverpool. That's Takumi Minamino, James. He had a, a late night waiting for this one to go through. He's, he's had a tough time at Liverpool, really, hasn't he? Not made that many appearances. And it looks like... Is the future elsewhere, the long-term future elsewhere for him? He's gone to Southampton alone. Well... Klopp is adamant that he does still have a future at the club. And I think, you know, people will question whether that is the, the case or not. But I think the fact that Southampton wanted the option to buy him in the summer and that was instantly dismissed suggests that Klopp hasn't given up on him and he and he thinks that, you know, what he does need is is regular first team football in the Premier League and, and if he can get that, then the hope is that he will come back to Liverpool in the summer and be in a much better position to to stake a claim for a, a place in the in the Liverpool side. I mean, um, he's hardly featured, has he, since, bizarrely, since he actually scored his first Premier League goal against Palace in the middle of December. You know, he's he's dropped further and further down the pecking order. You know, he hasn't been an option off the bench. We've seen, obviously, Shakiri come back to fitness and, and get picked ahead of him. The same with Divock Origi. I'm surprised in a way, just because I thought in a season like this, where there are so many injuries and so many games that... Liverpool would be loath maybe to just reduce their the size of their squad further, but you know I, I think also it, it's it's also probably a positive sign that that um, Diogo Jota isn't far away. The fact that they feel as if they can let Minamino go out, five hundred grand loan fee, Southampton covering his wages. So yeah, and I think Liverpool also feel that Hassan Hootel's brand of football is a good fit for him as well. So I've got some sympathy for Minamino because I just think when you look around the timing of when he came in. You know, it was it was the January window. You know, came in, didn't really speak the language too well. New country, new culture, and then within what was it? Within six weeks, we're on lockdown, and you know that that must have been a pretty miserable situation to be in as a as a player from overseas. 
who'd come over on his own, didn't really know anyone, trying to settle in. Um, and and you know it has been difficult for him to establish himself, and he's lost that rhythm and momentum that he had during his time at Salzburg. So hopefully the, the time at Southampton will do him good. Yeah, he's joining a decent team and hopefully he gets some opportunities there. Just to quickly go back to centre-backs, James, I'm interested to note it. I'm presuming Jurgen Klopp would like a fairly steady partnership between now and the end of the season, but that's not that's not been the case this season so far. Is it Fabinho and Kabak? Is, it, is that what we're going to see for the rest of the season? Is that his preferred partnership, do you think? I think it's probably the most likely one. I think... Um... I think we know from Klopp that he judges so much, doesn't he, on what he sees on the on the training field on a on a day to day basis. I think it probably it probably makes sense that Quebec, you know, even though he's the younger of the two new arrivals, that it is almost the senior one, if you like, in 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 terms of potential and and obviously the fact that Liverpool have that option to to buy him for a substantial fee in the summer. Um, but um, you know, clear, clearly, I think Brighton will come too soon for Quebec with you know I think he's due to fly into Liverpool Tuesday so you know whether he whether he'll even train today maybe maybe the day of the game itself when he meets his teammates properly so um with with the way that the schedule is he's going to have to rotate things as well because um you know I I think Ben Davis will definitely get minutes and as as Simon said earlier on that one of the big positives from the last week as well was seeing that Phillips perform to that level against West Ham because you know I don't I don't suddenly think Nat Phillips is going to be cast aside and and not used for the rest of the season the same with Reese Williams I think both of those guys are still going to be very much needed you know it would be great to think that you know hopefully now Jordan Henderson is released to play back in 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 centre midfield again and maybe at times Klopp will feel relaxed enough about the options he's got back there now to even for Fabino to play in his usual position as as well because um you know I think that would benefit Liverpool going forward. Kiever, does it feel like a relief at this stage? I think so. I think the the Matip news sort of just cast a little bit of doubt over the season, didn't it? I think just knowing that he's not working his way back to fitness just because you potentially play in a whole new partnership there if Fabinho isn't fit or you know Henderson is just put back into the midfield and, and that's it. But, you know, like James has mentioned, these players are experienced, yet at different levels. You know, we know what Ben Davies brings is a, a totally different experience from almost a tougher league in a way. You know, it's a totally different league, the championship, you know, the other leagues he's played in. He brings the experience of, of English football from every sort of corner, which is, I think, brilliant and will really help him. And then Quebec brings kind of like, like I've sort of mentioned before, the mentality. You know, he's already played in the Champions League. You know, he came through at Galatasaray. He's featured for them. And then obviously, you know, he, he wanted to make the move to the Bundesliga because he wanted to push his career on. And, you know, now he's pushed it all the way to Liverpool. So I think that just shows his strength, you know, off the field. On the field, we know he's, he's young, but he's got that experience. They're both inexperienced, obviously. But I think, you know... It does excite fans now that there is some defenders in the team. That's always a good thing, isn't it? Um, get your centre-backs in where you can. And, you know, I think it was an enjoyable day yesterday. Probably James and Si might not agree with all the, you know, the calls being made and different things happening, trying to find out what was going on. But, you know, Twitter was a great place to be. Social media was a great place to be for Liverpool fans. And, you know, I think it's now, I think after those couple of wins, it makes things just a little bit 
I don't know more positive. I think if you don't get those two wins, these two players coming in doesn't don't, don't probably sort of quell your concerns, do they? But obviously, on the back of two really quite brilliant wins as well, you know, really good Liverpool performances. We're starting to see the Liverpool of of old, or of at least of a, about six weeks ago. So you know, um, I think that bodes well, doesn't it? And and these players have just got to slot in now, and you know, Liverpool. Will be, will be still. You know, the team will still be thinking we can catch Man City. They're not far off. They play them on the weekend. Um, you know, what an exciting time to come to a club. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Red Agenda, your uh, Liverpool FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And it looks like Liverpool have come to life at exactly the right time in the title race, Si. Uh, so if we look at the uh, the league table now, or is it the right time? Third in the table, four points behind Man City. But but two great games to, to springboard off. They've looked really impressive, haven't they, against Spurs and West Ham? Excellence in both games. Uh, margin of victory could have been bigger. I certainly didn't see... The level of performance against Spurs coming, really, given how flat they'd been, but they were right at it against Spurs. And then I thought it was against West Ham, controlled the first half, took the sting out of, I think, West Ham's belief a little bit with the way Liverpool passed the ball and then and then were ruthless on the counter-attack in the second half. You, you won't see many better performances away from home, really. But I, I still think as well, you know, the, the goals that scored were scored by Tottenham and West Ham sort of reminded again that, that, that Liverpool do need these players to come in and, and, and have some sort of an impact. Um, and I know Hoiberg scored from sort of 30 yards, but it's sort of coming so quickly after taking a 2-0 lead. I just think, you know, from a defensive point of view, I couldn't imagine that happening with the more experienced players that Liverpool are missing at the moment. You know, that it's exactly the moment when you sort of lock in and make sure that you don't concede. And then the, the goal against West Ham, that the goal that West Ham scored again was a bit of a scruffy goal to concede. So little reminders there of why Liverpool needed the players to need that needed to sign the players that they have signed. But all in all, absolutely fantastic performances. Um and I mean, I've said before that I thought that if Liverpool are in sort of touching distance of of the title come the end of January, you know, you'd, you'd always back them. And I mean, they're all big games, aren't they? But the game against City on Sunday, if Liverpool go and win that, they're right back in it again. And it'd be interesting how City would react to that because a lot, you know, sort of, they've been pretty smooth the last the last uh, the last five or six weeks. They've been the team that look the most likely to go on a big run and win it. But maybe. A victory for Liverpool at Anfield against the City without Kevin De Bruyne 
probably maybe that might check the confidence a bit and and give Liverpool the momentum that they need going into the, the back straight of the season. It's 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 mad, isn't it? You know, like sort of the last couple of weeks it has been doom and gloom, and I think for good reason. I think there was every justification for people being very concerned because of the, not just the results but the standards of the performance and the, and the lack of uh, urgency in the transfer markets and and. Uh, it might be a happy accident that Joel Matip has has got injured, you know, in in, in the in the fullness of time. Because Jurgen Klopp, I remember, said in November that that he couldn't play two games a week. So I thought Liverpool were going to be pretty stretched anyway, you know, th- throughout the rest of the season if if they're relying on basically one senior player who who can't play every every game. And now they've got they've got two in there who 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 will increase the numbers and and just settle things down a little bit in terms of the discussion about what's going on at Liverpool. So. So yeah, yeah, really exciting over the next few weeks. Some some great games to look forward to. February, I think, is uh, is one of the months of the season when you look at what Liverpool have got coming up: City, Leicester, Everton, Leipzig, which you know will be a fascinating game. And having the two extra players will give them a chance to nav- a better chance, I would say, to navigate their way through that period. We've had this season where there's been so many different leaders at the top of the Premier League, James. I don't know what we're on now. Is it eight or nine? I'm not even sure. But there's been that many. But actually, it seems like a bit of normality is being resumed. And despite all those different leaders, I think we all probably believe that it it would be a fight between City and Liverpool at the end. And it, it seems to be maybe heading in that direction again. Normality, as I called it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think even even earlier on in the season when Liverpool were leading the way and City looked like they were cut adrift, although I think it was probably not quite as, you know, I think it was influenced by the fact they had games in hand. And of course, you know, they, they had their issues as well at the time. But I think I think even, even when you looked around the Premier League and, now, there might have been other teams leading the way at, at times. Obviously, Manchester United had a good spell. I think you always thought, well, if, if there's one team that's capable of putting together the kind of consistent run to deny Liverpool and, and win the title this season, it, it it was City. And and currently, they are they are on that that kind of run. But um, you know, which which makes those two results over the past week just so so important because. You know, Liverpool's season was absolutely in the balance. Like, I don't, you know, if they'd had another bad week, then their interest in the title race would have been over. You know, the the stakes were that high going to Tottenham. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like they could just sleepwalk through another couple of games and and hope to still be be part of the conversation. So, those those two wins have just changed the whole landscape for me in terms of looking over your shoulder at the scrap for top four and and looking at February's fixtures with a bit of trepidation to suddenly, you know, back to within what four points of City at the top with the chance to to close that gap even further this week, and then you know playing them on the weekend, and then you know almost now when you see you know, Trent Alexander Arnold, his return to form has been so so timely. The same with Firmino, you know Mo Salah, just you know the the absolute quality we've we've seen from from him especially against West Ham it, it just whets your appetite really for those games that Simon mentioned because February is going to be a season defining month for Liverpool you know it's if they if they can maintain this momentum through February then we're, we're going to be talking about a, a team that are banging contention to retain the Premier League and and hopefully on course for the quarterfinals of the Champions League yeah, which is amazing a lot of credit has to be given to Jurgen Klopp and and the players because the team, James, has been through different personnel, but they're still playing the high line. They're still keeping attacks going, and they found that rhythm once more. Yeah, and I think 
you know, more than anything, you have to give Klopp credit because, you know, I, I think I think it was, some people will say was crisis, a bit of a strong word, but I think when, when Liverpool are on their worst barren run without scoring a league goal for more than 20 years, I think, especially in the context of the standards they've set in recent years, I think, I think that did constitute a, a crisis, especially when you throw in the unbelievable injury situation. And and so, yeah, that, you know, now to have hopefully come through that, and I think, you know, his man management, his positivity, ensuring that people weren't dragged down by the negativity outside the club, you know, he, he deserves, you know, immense credit for that. And, uh, and I, you know, I think we talked about it on the pod last week, that feeling that it was more, it felt like it was more kind of mental fatigue and confidence taken a battering rather than physical fatigue. And I yeah. think, I think the past week has, has served to to underline that. I mean, the fact that Liverpool are, are where they are at the moment is extraordinary when you think the amount of misfortune that's been thrown in their path. I mean, yes, it was a gamble. Of course it was to go into this season with only three senior recognised centre-halves, but that, that can't have ever happened before that Liverpool have lost three senior centre-halves to season-ending injuries. That's just like, you know, absolutely ridiculous. And then when you throw on top of that, you know, Losing Jota for, you know, he's been out for, what, two months. Kate has barely played. Obviously, Oxlade-Chamberlain has barely featured. You know, you've, you've obviously, Alisson was out earlier on in the season. Fabino at times. You know, they've had so much adversity to deal with. Yeah, you just hope now that that bad luck is, is out the way and, um, yeah, they get a few breaks between now and May. And you mentioned the upturn in form of a couple of players. Kiva, we'll talk about a few of these now. Mo Salah, I mean, it's it's absurd when people write him off or play down his ability. The, the two goals against West Ham, the second of which, it wasn't even the goal that took your breath away. It was the first touch, wasn't it? He's obviously in a, in a new bracket, first player since Ian Rush to reach 20-plus goals in all competitions. But the manner of that second goal was real football beauty. Yeah, I mean, for that second goal to be more beautiful than the first goal, it takes some doing, doesn't it? Because the first goal is classic Mo Salah finish, you know, beats a couple of players, takes a little touch, gets it out, and it just curls into that top corner. And it feels like all the world are just behind him, watching and waiting for that to happen. And it's no one can stop it. And it's a beautiful thing. But then the next goal is just like, you know, Andy Robertson makes an important clearance. Uh, West Ham get a corner. Corners are worrying now, aren't they? Because, you know, Liverpool don't have defenders anymore. Now they do, so we'll be all right. But, you know, there's that worry. West Ham have scored like a million set pieces this season. And, you know, it's every time they get a corner, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're a bit nervy watching it. But then you always sort of then think, could Liverpool counter from this? And interestingly, in the in the corner before that, there was a moment and I didn't see it replayed back or anything, but Alisson was sort of telling Salah where to where to defend from and sort of where to stand on the edge of the box. And Salah was pointing at him as if to say, if you get the ball, I want it straight over the top. Like I'm going sort of, you know, Man United goal-esque, like get it to me and I could see him pointing sort of so you know Salah's had this in his mind that he was going to score on the counter way before it even happened you know that's the kind of player that he is um, and then obviously it's the next corner Andy Robertson you know glancing sort of header which was actually quite brilliant when you look back at that like he didn't just head it away he headed it knowing well I think Trent might be there or you know someone might get on the end of this ball if a sort of glance it that way it wasn't like I'm just gonna hoof it with my head and hope it goes as far as it can it was you know real sort of technical thing and then you know what a pass that was into Shakiri 
And then, I mean, what a ball from Shaqiri because it felt like... Oh, yeah, football brain, amazing. I mean, it felt like a million seconds had, had passed waiting for him to get onto the ball. Like, the counter-attack had happened and then it sort of stopped for a minute because it, everyone, the ball was well ahead of everyone else. But then as soon as he gets it, it just was like instant, instant karma, wasn't it? It was just brilliant. Almost you don't think it's going to go to Salah. And then somehow he just brings it out of the sky. But then... The second touch to just just gently, just beautifully caress it past uh, Fabianski was just, I mean, sublime. I mean, Henderson as well was right up there, wasn't he? Which is great to see him right from his own box into the first player to, to celebrate with Salah. And each, each summed it up. He said, what a goal. And you know that it was. And probably the best goal I think I've seen all season from, from any team. Um, definitely from this Liverpool team and I think it just kind of showed you know they're getting back into the groove and don't write Mohamed Salah off because I don't know how he goes under the radar you know he had to sort of in the second season he had to get rid of that one season wonder tag he did that then he did it again and somehow he's still being underestimated or overlooked you know for a little bit of a a barren run there but I mean a barren run that he scored a brilliant brace against Man United in the FA Cup as well Honestly, he's on his trajectory is to be Liverpool's greatest ever goal scorer. He, if he stays at the club, he can surpass him and rush easily. Like his goals are ridiculous. The rate in which he scores them are ridiculous. You know, he scored twenty or more in the past four seasons, which is, you know, that's what Liverpool fans wanted for so long. Now they've got it. Not only that, they've got Sadio Mane next to him and uh, Bobby Firmino doing bits as well. Obviously, Jota. It's very exciting for Liverpool. It can look a little bit bleak at times, and it did for those few weeks. But at the minute, especially with you know these couple of defenders coming in, I think Liverpool will place really well. Simon, you've been known to uh, to pull the boots on once or twice. Um, have you tried to <laughs> caress the ball like that? <laughs> I wonder what sort of impression you have of me as a footballer, Steve. It's very harsh. Very harsh. I've seen James score some spectacular goals in the past. Do you remember that goal in Kiev, James, from about 50 yards when you lob oh, the goal? Do we, do we really have to talk about that long-range effort again? <laughs> to be fair, by contrast, I had a goal disallowed in that game, and that was for clattering into the goalkeeper and bundling it over the line, <laughs> uh, which probably tallies in with what you were talking about, Steve. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Salah, when he plays like that, you just it just reminds you just what a quality player he is. I mean, it, he's a much better player, I think, than most people tend to consider in my view and I, I think I, I don't know I, I, I get the impression he, he's been affected a little bit a little bit distracted by some of his own comments if he is really is has been annoyed by not being made Liverpool captain in the game against Michelin and I think he's played a bit like it felt to me like he's been sulking a little bit the last month with some of his performances but when he plays like he did against West Ham he, he's fantastic and just a reminder of, of what a player Liverpool have got really if he were to leave at any any point it, you know take some take a big player and a big personality to replace him I think um, but he, he's going to be crucial between now and the end of the season of course Sadio Mane is injured at the moment. Liverpool are going to desperately hope that he gets back as quickly as possible and get back into the sort of form that we we've seen him or not not form that, that deliver the sort of quality that he can deliver. If you get the front three firing, there's every chance that Liverpool finish the season really strongly and go pretty close to being where you know the the, the supporters want them to be. So as we said, Steve, it, it is looking up suddenly that, but that that football is is like that. I know I know people will say, well. 
I would have backed them to be in this position, but they, they really did need to sort of shake themselves out of the slump that they were in because it, it was alarming. And I, I think now, you know, the, 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 as, as the term is, that they're handily placed, aren't they, Liverpool? I, I always thought if they can be within touch and distance of the top at the end of January, then there's a chance. And I, I think uh, they're certainly in that sort of position now. We're used to perhaps seeing Mo Salah be um, a little bit sulky when he subbed. So, but we're not used to seeing James Milner be like that, and that that was a great moment to watch him, James, sort of go face to face with Klopp. But then to see how it played out, Curtis Jones comes on, uh, carries the ball, dribbles with it, goal happens, and you see that great bit of camaraderie or bond between Milner and the manager. <laughs> Some players might have just stayed on the bench and thought, "I'm going to continue sulking here." You took me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think James Milner clearly saw the the funny side, didn't he? I think um, you know, I, you know, he's such a he's such a kind of fierce competitor, isn't he? And um, that of course he he wanted to be out there. He wanted to continue to help Liverpool try to try to win that game. So, um, but yeah, I think he when he when he walked back to the bench, and by the time I think he he was about to take his his spot, Mo Salah had, had curled that one in. I think. Um, yeah, he went. He went back up to Klopp, didn't he? And uh, saw the funny side of trying to argue that um, that maybe he should have been left on, especially when you see uh, young Curtis Jones make such an impact off the bench. Mm. So uh, yeah, I think it just it, it said a lot as well about the relationship that exists between between Milner and Klopp as well. The fact that um, yeah, they they had that initial initial exchange um, on the touchline and then it was all hugs and smiles once that ball hit the net. But let's just finish with a word on Curtis Jones. He's been a sub for the last three Premier League games, but we know how good he is. Has he been unfortunate to be a sub? And actually, how sort of fundamental is he, do you think, James, going forward now? Yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's been through any fault of his own that he hadn't featured much of late. I think it's just a, a feeling that he's still so young, isn't he? I think he's only just turned... 20 in the last in the last few days so um you know and he has played a fair bit of football this season i think was it 20 23 i think it is up now senior appearances this season so you know i think Klopp feels a duty of care there not to not to push him too hard and and, and if anything i think we, when he came off the bench and impacted the game in that manner you could see i thought he looked a lot fresher than than he had done on the, the the couple of previous times when he's come on, so he's you know he's made such huge strides forward this season, and, and I don't I don't see his role dwindling over over the next few months. So, you know, of course, competition's probably going to grow a bit with with Naby Keita coming back into the mix, but I love watching Curtis Jones. I just think he's he's improved so much with his work off the ball as well as as well as on it, and you know West Ham proved again that. You know, when Liverpool needs someone to help unlock a defence, he can play a key part in that. Right, don't normally do predictions on the pod, but let's have a quick one off each of you because it's that big a game, isn't it? Kiva, we'll start with you, Liverpool, Man City. Oh God, do you have to? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> oh God. I mean, I feel like you've got to see how Brighton goes. Liverpool win that. They're going into that weekend right. just with everything on the line. It's definitely one of those where you don't think it's going to be a draw, but then it probably will be, so... I feel like 1-1, I mean, you know, we're all hoping Liverpool will win it, but it just feels like it could be, um, I don't know, you're hoping for one of those performances like Fabinho time and, you know, Salah over the top from uh, Lob and Edison that time. You know, that kind of performance where Liverpool just take it, take it to Man City, really, really hoping for that. 
But if not, it could just be a bit of a edgy sort of game. Kiva's on the fence, side. I think the only nil-nil that you've had was the, the game at Anfield when Mahrez belted the, uh, his penalty over the crossbar like I would, Steve, uh, in the last minute um, a few seasons ago. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, the game does have the capacity to do that because of the nerves and the tension. But I think that, I think on that day, the, the atmosphere inside Anfield had, had an impact on it. felt very nervous. But um, usually these games are pretty high scoring. Uh, I, th- I think for the... Manchester United game a few weeks ago, I predicted Liverpool 3 United 2, which obviously went really well. But yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that 3 2 to Liverpool because there's always goals. Five goals, James. Uh, do you know what? I do? I fancy Liverpool. I just think I think it's coming at a good time for them. Um, and yeah, of course, they got to negotiate their way past Brighton first. But, um, but yeah, I think the sign of that fluency going forward, coming back. You know, enabling them to to play at a, a high tempo and and try and impose themselves on City. I thought I thought Liverpool played really well at the Etihad earlier on this season when the clock was very bold with his team selection. And they ultimately had to to settle for a draw. So um, yeah, I'm going I'm going Liverpool three one. We can't wait for it. That's for certain. Thanks to our uh, three rays of happiness this week: James Pearce, Simon Hughes, and Kiva O'Neill. That was the red agenda, and it's back in a week. The Athletic.